You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? AFC Championship Week is upon us. The Bengals took care of business at home against the Baltimore Ravens. They went into Buffalo and absolutely dominated the Bills on their home turf in the snow. And now they go to the unfriendly confines and continuing to be even more unfriendly confines of Arrowhead Stadium. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is the brains behind the operation, John Sheeran. John, uh, happy Thursday to you. We've got a big show lined up here. How's it going, my man? I think it's hostile confines now. It's borderline like war, like war zone confines at this point. Um, shout out to any Bengals fan making the trip. I'm very curious to see how this game is going to unfold in the stands because I have a feeling on the field it's not going to be friendly. It is not going to be friendly, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. We are hoping to be joined by former Bengals wide receiver Tim McGee. Played in the Super Bowl, knows a thing or two about high-profile games, and the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the previously voted in the top 50 players of all time uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I know we were planning on having him last week. I think we're on, on, on tap for him this week. So we'll hopefully be chatting with him in just a few minutes, but uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to this game. So... I guess, John, do we want to start with what, – what, what do we want to start with here? I mean, good Lord. I, I guess let's just – you, you kind of alluded to it. Play the clip. Play the clip. Play the clip. Okay, we're going to play the clip. This is from, I believe, Caleb Noe, local media member, uh, sharing a clip uh, with us. It's Chiefs Willie Gay who spoke to media out there, Caleb Noe. Of course, TV personality here uh, with ABC. Uh, I think it's WCPO nine out there in Cincinnati. There, John um, Willie Gay said nothing impresses him about the Bengals' offense. And then there's a response here from Jamar Chase and Trent Irwin about it. Here is the clip. What is it about that Bengals' offense that maybe impresses you the most? You played nothing. it a few times. Nothing. Okay. Willie Gay was asked uh, what impresses him about the Bengals' offense today. He said nothing. Willie. The linebacker. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? I ain't got no response to him. We're going to get him. I ain't got no response. Yep. Have any reaction to that? They're going to say what they're going to say. We're going to go out there and play. That's what we're going to do. You know what's funny, John, is that, you know, I, I got a comment saying, well, I was just getting chippy. The Bengals are just, you know, kind of saying, oh, we're going to go out. You know, I, did you notice the one tiny little sentence Jamar Chase threw in there? He goes, we're going to get him. Right. Yeah. He's got nothing to say, though. He's got nothing to say, though. Right. Right. 
we're gonna get him. I, he just he he darted that one in there. But this comes on the heel, John. I'll share this one too. This comes also with, I believe it's Legarius Sneed saying the Chiefs secondary will handle the Bengals wide receivers. So all of a sudden, the Chiefs are starting to talk a little bit more. I don't know if they're getting a little more confident because they're starting to learn that their quarterback is a little more healthier than a lot of people thought. I don't know if they're fueling a fire because it's getting later in the week and that's just what they want to do. I don't know if the Burrowhead comment got in their their head, but here we are. It's coming from a lot of different directions and namely on the Chiefs' defense coming after the Bengals' offense. When this week began, I mean, the whole optics of this game is the last three games have been very close. The Chiefs have had chances to win in every single opportunity. I think the it's been like 75% win probability for the Chiefs in all three games. In all three of them, they've lost. Two of them in very similar fashions where they're up early and they blow a lead. The last time when the Bengals kind of played not their best game and they still ended up winning at home. They're, they're down to three in this series. They're in this position where they've been anointed as the NFL's next dynasty, and so far they have one ring in five or four AFC championship appearances to their credit. And they're on the verge of potentially not going back to the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year. They're on the ropes, and whether or not that they or the fans or anyone associated with the team wants to admit it, there's a, there is a level of fear with this. And when you have fear, you sometimes project it into anger when you're in this situation. And that was my biggest takeaway with this. Like before the Willie Gay comments and in the Legarius Sneed comment, I almost didn't know if we were even going to bring up like the whole uh, bulletin board trash talk material angle with this. But now it's gone from the lighthearted Justin Reed um, <laughs> calling T Higgins to Tyler Higby and that playful. I don't know. I don't know if we want to say playful, but it's, it's that, that disrespectful angle, I guess with your borderline ig- ignorance with it. Now it's just hatred. Now it's just animosity. Now it's just they're 0-3 against this team, and they do not want to stomach another loss and to see them celebrate another uh, Lamar Hunt trophy celebration on their own field. It's turned into full-blown anger, and it's taken a development that I it's kind of taken me aback for a little bit. But I'm not really sure why I'm surprised, to be honest with you. I, I'm not overly surprised here, and this this is... I would not be surprised, and I want to ask Tim McGee about this uh, when, when he comes on here in just a little bit about bulletin board material i really want to you know from a player standpoint and now you know kind of working in the media side just what he thinks about all that but look i mean here it is we're gonna we're gonna handle them i think is what luxurious sneed said i don't really have a problem so much me and my guys are gonna handle them right you want you if even if it's the opposition you want to be confident but when you come out with a statement like willie gay did saying nothing scares them or nothing is is impressive to him about the offense i just number one i just don't believe him um and number two i don't know why he wouldn't say hey you know they're they're a good team we're hoping to put a good game plan together maybe it's maybe i don't know maybe i'm just not you know mr bat flip guy or i i don't know i'm not the big chatter guy right um so i I don't really get it but to me it just and this is kind of a question we posed on twitter and we'll talk about more this just puts a little more pressure now i feel like on your team to perform in this type of venue when you're saying, Hey, no, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Nothing, you know, nothing is impressive to us. That sort of thing. I, I, I don't know how that does you really any good um, except for maybe, like you said, bringing some of this stuff as bulletin board material to a team that seems to just rally around that kind of stuff this year. Well, just think about it. Like you said, like this doesn't really 
make a lot of sense in terms of logic and you don't really think about that stuff beyond what you're saying when you have resentment when you have anger and that's i feel like just, that's just what the chiefs kind of feel right now like w- whether or not their confidence level with mahomes like as long as mahomes is playing like he's still like i think in most people's minds the best quarterback certainly is what the chiefs believe right they will always believe that they have a chance when patrick mahomes is dropping back yeah. for them at quarterback yeah. and that's that's what they will feel in this game i don't think there's this sense of a lot there's certainly not a sense of lack of confidence going up against the Bengals because they know how close these games have been they know that they've had chances to win in all three of these games but there's definitely a sense of we just can't beat these guys and we don't want to give them any respect, whether or not they've earned it or not. They don't want to give them any brownie points before this. Like, this is just, you know what? We know what this is. You know what this is. We're going to line it up. We do not like you, and we don't want to hide behind that fact. Well, I mean, this definitely brings a new dimension to this game that we we didn't seem to have just a couple of days ago. And I, I, I just was on the great Bengals and Bruce show uh, before we took the air here, and one of the things that I said about this is I find it so ironic that in a couple of days span, you have Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, (laughs) making a comment saying, we don't want to have to suck enough to get a Jamar Chase, essentially calling him a generational talent at wide receiver, right? A guy who, oh, by the way, has just absolutely torched the Chiefs in these last three meetings. And then you have Willie Gay saying nothing, nothing, worries him or nothing impresses him about the Bengals offense in a matter of like 48 hours. So I I just find it very just odd that those two opinions can exist so close together in time from two high profile and good organizations. I just, I just like the response to the bean comment. Like, you know, Tiggins was drafted like well past when the bills drafted in the first round of that. Uh, Tyler Boyd was a second round pick. Stefan Diggs, who they traded for a couple years ago. He was like a fifth round pick. The Bills do know that they can draft receivers outside of the top five, right? Like that, that That's pretty common knowledge. Uh, it, 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 it can be done, believe it or not. And the guy <laughs> that they paid a lot of the guy they paid a lot of money for, their number one wide receiver, wasn't he a fifth or sixth round pick when he was picking yeah. Stephon Diggs? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it, it can be done, and you can find guys throughout the draft. That is for sure. Well, uh, I, I, I kind of want to, you know, I, I guess ask a little bit. This kind of ties into the edginess between the Bengals and the Chiefs, between the comments being made, the, I don't know, the the passive aggression being thrown back at each other. What team in your estimation right now has more pressure on them to win, John? Because I've wavered on this when I've thought about this question. On one hand, you've got the Bengals going on the road, trying to defend as AFC champions, trying to get that Super Bowl win and not not get knocked out and and get two more wins under their belt and finally get that Lombardi trophy, finally not be the team of the zero rings, empty cabinet, all that kind of stuff that we hear. And you also have the pressure of beating the Chiefs for the fourth time and the second time in Arrowhead uh, in, in those games. But on the other hand, you have the Chiefs and they can't get past the Bengals and they're hosting this game. And they, they have this, by the way, sidebar, Nick Wright, who is an admitted Chiefs fan and is on the Fox Fox Sports Network, he writes he calls them the dis, disrespected dynasty, which I just find just funny uh, uh, in a lot of different. I know, I, I, yeah, especially when comparing to the Bengals. Whatever, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but let's just toss that sidebar aside there. But look, I mean, I, there's a lot of pressure on both these teams. Who do you think kind of is feeling it a little bit more on their shoulders as this game approaches? 
It's a hundred percent the Chiefs. It doesn't even feel like a question to me because of what Nick Wright just said. There's there's supposed to be a dynasty. You're not a dynasty if you go to one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls in five years and only win one of them. Like my stance has always been that Tom Brady has completely skewed and the Patriots have completely skewed what it means to be or is to sustain success in the NFL over a long period of time. Like the, what we see, what we saw with them is never going to happen again. What the Chiefs have already done is impressive enough, but they've established themselves or they've claimed to be on this level of standard that again I don't think is realistic even when you do have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and they have to live up to that and if they lose this game the whole dynamics regardless of what happens in the Super Bowls should the Bengals get there right the whole dynamic of the AFC has changed the the paradigm has changed at that point the Bengals are just at that point over the Chiefs like regardless if they if they win the Super Bowl or not that Chiefs Super Bowl will be three four years in the past Mahomes cannot get past Lou Anarumo in this scenario. Burrow has won four games against the Chiefs. They already beat the Bills. The conversations around the AFC when the next season comes around will be the Chiefs under the Bengals, and that's why the pressure is so much more infinitely on the Chiefs in this one. I would agree with you. I've, you know, there is an element that I say, you know, the pressure's on the Bengals, but again, kind of, it's kind of becoming a deal. Now, early this week, interestingly enough, the Bengals ended up, it used to, it was like a pick them and the Bengals got favored by like a point and all this kind of stuff. And you go, how, how is this possible? And obviously I think the, the past history, Mahomes injury, that sort of thing all kind of plays into it. Um, but, you know, now you've got the Chiefs, it, it seems back as one or two point favorites in this one. And so now, I mean, the Bengals are technically the underdogs. No one is believing they will go into Arrowhead, at least outside of Houday Nation. No one is believing they will go into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, a fourth time, second time on his home turf and get to the Super Bowl. So I, I would agree with you. And and the more that these, I, like you kind of said, the more that these losses to one particular team pile up, you know, it, it, it builds pressure because you got, it, it's in a way, it's kind of like the Bengals against the Steelers, right? It, it's just, you, you can't, you kept hitting that wall. You can't, you can't get past that wall and you're like, man, and it's like, oh God, the Steelers, we got to play them. Uh, so it, it almost, I don't, I'm not saying that the Chiefs necessarily are like that because they are highly, highly talented, but there may be in the back of their minds a little bit of that are like, ah, oh, God, you know, this team again. Yeah. And I've heard multiple people kind of refer to this now as, as a divisional game for how often they've played each other. They're going to play yeah. each other next year. And for all intents and purposes, they might mean the playoffs again next year. So we're looking at a two, three year span where they're going to face probably six times like they understand their tendencies so well at this point they know their strengths and weaknesses to the point where it's like you're talking about this like an actual divisional rival and i think that's what many people are starting to look at this like well i mean pressure is i guess can be debated but i think a lot of people are are kind of saying that you know it's 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 on the chiefs this time to win this game. And it would be hard to believe that the Bengals, if they do win this game would go into it potentially as it uh, go into the Super Bowl rather as, you know, underdogs or uh, I, I guess it would be, be dependent upon who they play, but um, man, they just, they would at that point just keep winning, winning, winning. Well, while we're still waiting for uh, Tim McGee, let's talk about some of the injuries going into this one, John. Um. The Bengals, it's kind of, kind of, I, I, I don't know if it's no news, good news, whatever, but uh, I mean, the Bengals kind of have a couple of updates. They got a pretty banged up uh, offensive line at this point right now, especially with Ted Karras getting a knee injury last week. So 
Here you go right here. Uh, Williams and Kappa were still out as of Thursday. And then up popped Hayden Hurst with a calf issue on the injury report. Yeah, that's the biggest news here because Hurst notably injured his calf against the Chiefs like nine snaps into that Week 13 game. He missed a couple of games because of it. I don't believe he's been on the injury report since, and if he has, it was only like one or two times. So he's looked really good whenever he's played ever since coming back. So him being limited here, we've mentioned this many times before. Like when you're limited on the injury report in the middle of the week, it means you either reaggravated it badly and you're not going to practice the next day or they're just monitoring it. Maybe something minor came up and they didn't want to you know, put too much stress on him and he'll practice the next day. So this is, again, just going to be a wait-and-see situation. Um, media ha- doesn't watch the second half of the practice, and maybe that's when it happened, so we don't really know that much about it. But just the fact that this was a previous injury that he suffered not two months ago, something to keep an eye on for sure. The it, I mean, right now when you have Wednesday, Thursday, did not practice – uh, between Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams, that's probably pointing to they're not playing. Not they're not going to play. Yeah, they're not going to play. And the hope you would think is is if they make the Super Bowl, if the Bengals make the Super Bowl, that they would, um, you know, with that extra week of rest in there, they would potentially maybe come back for that. Hopefully, that's what they're banking on. But uh, I, both of those injuries seem to be pretty pretty severe or somewhat severe. Yeah, so then we get the Chiefs on the other side of the equation who most notably, obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes in his ankle. I think I've seen at least 50 videos of him dropping back and stretching and doing these rollouts in practice. There was a video of him walking off the podium after his Wednesday press conference with no noticeable limp. I've seen on one side of the spectrum, this is ankle gate, and he's just not injured at all, and he's completely fine. I don't know if he's just been drugged up tremendously ever since Sunday or Saturday, and he's just okay, or he's just hiding it really well, and obviously he's not dropping back 50 times in the game and taking on hits, so we're not really going to know what he is until the game is going on, but it seems like Anthony at this point, like obviously he's going to play, but it might not even be like less than 80, 85% of Mahomes when he was clearly less than 50% at the second half against the Jags. Well, so you're basing that on the video uh, from his press conference, kind of how he's walking or just in general, like in practice as well. Like there hasn't been anything that we've seen to indicate that he's like struggling, but they've taped up like both of his ankles. So he's not favoring one side or the other. We still obviously have multiple days to go, but so far it seems like for one, he's going to play and two, it doesn't seem to be as bad right now. And we're not going to know anything until he actually takes the field. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything there that will uh, like prevent him from playing. And I don't think it's so severe that he's not going to be able to move around. I'm sure they're doing all kinds of different treatments and whatnot on it. The thing that I think they're worried about, or they have to kind of be worried about and look, look to is, you know, let's, he he moves in the pocket. He takes hits, he runs the football. So he's going to take a hit now, not cheap shot, not trying to injure, but, he could take a shot to the leg. He could get tackled awkwardly, whatever, and that ankle flares up again, right? So that that is probably the area of concern. Not so much, is he going to play? How severe is it right now? I think he's going to be okay to probably fine to start the game. It's more about, you know, what happens in the game to allow or disallow him to maybe continue or continue to be as effective as he usually is. Right, and... 
in that first game back in week 13, like the Bengals didn't pressure him any more than he is used to being pressured, and he didn't get sacked any more than he's used to being sacked. I think the pressure to sack rate was about 16%. Now, obviously, Mahomes tripping him up on one of those final plays, or I think the final time that, that he had the ball, that was obviously huge, but he wasn't really roughed up because Mahomes doesn't really get roughed up. He does such a great job of navigating the pocket and avoiding some of these hits and throwing on the run that he avoids a lot of contact. And when obviously he did take contact against the Jags, something really bad happened. So I, I don't know how that affects what the Bills aggression is in terms of getting after him and making sure that they get hands on him. But you have to think like conventional wisdom says, like you said, there, there are no cheap sides here. They're not. They aren't just going to target his ankle. There isn't any of that game or lack of gamesmanship, I should say, happening here. But there could be an emphasis early on where maybe there's one or two more blitzes that you send his way. Even though he's a quarterback, that when you blitz, typically it's not, it's not advisory, just like against Joe Burrow. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about with the Bengals and Chiefs, and we are going to be doing so in just a second with our very special guest. Just want to remind folks that this podcast and all on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel can be found on your favorite audio streamers, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We are on all of them. If you like the video side of things, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. The icon is beneath that Cincy Jungle logo on John's side of the screen there. Click that. Click the subscribe button and then click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We've got a lot of content we're putting out to you as the playoffs roll on and the Bengals continue to move towards the Super Bowl. And of course, you got to give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page and you can get uh, our videos, whether it's ourselves, Bengal Jim, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends and or Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, John, we have what's really cool is we have this circle of favorites in terms of guests. And there are select few in terms of favorites. And this guy is most certainly one of them. He's graced our screens and our show a couple of times. We love having him on. I pester the hell out of him, and I feel bad every time to come on this show, but he is gracious enough to always come on. He was voted as one of the top 50 players in Bengals history. 
He played in Super Bowl 23, thousand yard receiver, and you can also hear him on the radio as a Bengals analyst, Mr. Tim McGee. Tim, how are you? I'm sorry I've pestered the hell out of you. Thank you for coming on the show. No, you're totally, you're totally, totally 100% fine. You know, I, I, I always got a sneaky question. So here's my sneaky question before we even get into it. All right. You said I was a special guest. So when a guy or girl comes on and they're not a special guest, how do you introduce them as a non-special guest? <laughs> oh, wow. He's, he's, he's got you the there. Yeah, he's, he's got he's, you there. <laughs> you know, I try and give him the intro, the, the special intro, and he puts me on the spot. I don't have a good answer for that. I guess all guests are special guests, but there are an elite, elite few, Mr. McGee, and you are definitely one of them. We love having you on. It's been too long, but thankfully, I, I think the last time we had you on was after the big uh, win against the Raiders in the playoffs yeah. last year. Yeah. And so now here we are. Couldn't think of a better guy to talk to really at this point as the Bengals march towards the Super Bowl, taking on the Chiefs. Let's. I, I want to talk because I always like to talk about and and uh, relive vicariously through your playing days and whatnot. But you guys in your Super Bowl, Super Bowl run had a pretty dominating win against Buffalo in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl that year. And you see this one this week. Uh, similarities? Was it eerie kind of seeing seeing that? I know it was in Buffalo, uh, so that's a little different. I, I think you guys were at the old Riverfront in, in your game, but I don't know. Did that? just kind of strike up any any weird memories or just, man, this was kind of a little bit of a carbon copy of what happened when we went to the Super Bowl. You know, it. I think when it first caught my attention, not just the Bills game, but the fact that when I looked at the, uh, when I look back on, on the game, I was like, you know what? This is really eerie for another reason. They're kind of on a collision course to play the 49ers again. Mm-hmm. And so when you look, you look at the similarities, you look at, uh, okay, the road to the Super Bowl is Buffalo, uh, obviously via Kansas City. But, yeah, it, it really did kind of make me scratch my head going, hmm, this this is really weird. And now the setup is there. If they go to the Super Bowl, then, you know, will they beat the uh, 49ers or will we be 0-3 against the 49ers? So it's uh, obviously we want to take it one quarter at a time, one half at a time, one game at a time. But, Nevertheless, I'm not playing, so I can do these things. So I can think of, <laughs> I can think of hoisting the championship trophy up the Lombardi trophy yeah. in, in Mike Brown's hand. I can do all that. Players can't say it, but they have to be politically correct. I don't have to be politically correct. <laughs> so Jamar Chase was kind of politically correct when talking about his touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. I have to ask, as a former receiver, did you kind of have a back in mind day moment like that would have been a touchdown if that was me 35 years ago? Or do you kind of have respect to what the NFL deems as a catch nowadays? I, I do not respect because the NFL don't know what the hell a catch is they, by definition. So how could I know? How could Jamar Chase? None of us knows what the, what the hell a catch is. You think about it. When a catch is made in the National Football League, every single fan, and I'm talking about the astute fan that understand that there's a there has to be a, a possession all the way to the ground and all these mumble-jumble rules. When you just think from a common football sense standpoint, that's a touchdown. And then you go, okay, did he get both feet inbound? Did he have possession? Okay, he had both. Okay, touchdown. But with the crazy nonsensical rules that the NFL have have now, man, it, it's it's so God almighty, it's so frustrating. It's no, actually it's stupid. It's dumb. I mean, yes. just come on, clean it up. I mean, you you got some of the smartest people working in the uh for the NFL. 
they can they can make this so simple. I mean, come on, you you don't need you know it's it's becoming too scientific in in, in my opinion and too damn picky. Just call a spade a spade, call a touchdown a touchdown, a catch a catch, and stop all these you know crazy subsection of rule A B C D all the way down to G. Oh, and now it's a touchdown. It, it's just absolutely stupid. Preach, preach. I love it. Yeah, I mean, in that 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 play, it looked like Chase kind of bobbled a little bit then then established a catch and then kind of a little bobble at the end but you're like man especially in this high profile of a game and that kind of a big moment in that game even though the Bengals had a good lead you're kind of like man that's this this is a hard one to kind of really get super like you said scientific about what a catch is isn't all that kind of stuff so yeah I mean I, I think we're with you on that one but uh you know when I what what impressed you the most this last week in terms of how the Bengals won was it that was it their ability to run the ball behind that offensive line was it their ability to pass the ball in the snow was it their defense I mean what what was the one thing where you're like man I didn't really expect this aspect and this was a major part of their dominating win against Buffalo what surprised me the most was the consistent effort they put together for the first time in weeks and I'm talking maybe even months. We have seen a team that, if you really follow them, we've seen a team that has played very good, excellent for halves. And then, obviously, against Tampa, you know, they come out one half, they play absolutely great, then they play terrible, they play great, they play terrible. You just – you didn't know what to expect. When they came out against Buffalo, I think – Every fan like myself that, again, followed the game, I'm, I'm talking about in depth of the game, we're going, okay, when are the Bengals going to have this lapse? When is Buffalo going to come back? So the most impressive part, of course, all those were key ingredients, the offense, the defense, the run game, the passing, you know, shutting Josh Allen down. All those things were ingredients to the final outcome. But the consistent effort quarter to quarter to quarter to quarter, that was surprised me the most because, again, that equals domination, and that's exactly what happened last Sunday. So the Bills, because they didn't technically play them three weeks ago, the NFL wants us to forget that game. They were an uncommon opponent, and now you have the Kansas City Chiefs again for the fourth time in, I don't know, like 13 months at this point. I've heard multiple people call this game a de facto divisional game because you don't face this many this the same team this many times without it being in the same division, and the Bengals have a chance to win four straight times. And Zach Taylor was even asked this week, like what's the challenge of beating a team four consecutive times? And I loved his answer. His answer was, we just got to beat them one consecutive time now. Like what is the challenge with being, meeting the same team this many times so soon after each other and actually coming out on top every single time? You know, again, I'm sitting in my family room in um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I can say the truth. (laughs) I can I can I can give you the real deal. It's you know you can say again it's it's one game, but it's hard as hell. That's number one uh, because just face it, when it was flipped the other way and the, and and we talked about all the streaks that were against the Bengals, they used that as motivation and they were able to get themselves on the track that they're on now. The same can be said about Kansas City. You know, Kansas City were the dominant team until the Bengals just basically stole and took their heart. And that's exactly what has been. You here, we're in Cincinnati. We're talking about the Bengals. We are fans of the Cincinnati Bengals. We're talking about how we've beaten them the consecutive times, a number of times, going into the fourth time. We've talked about how we beat them three times in one year. 
we're for the most part bragging on that and rightfully so well flip it to kansas city well you tell me they're not we talk about that extra motivation that does exist sometimes this is it the Bengals have had their numbers they have arguably the most valuable player may be the most valuable player in the national football league they're very very talented uh they got great coaching but the Bengals have had their number and again so there's been some luck but i know kansas city got to be sitting there thinking hmm if we play four quarters of our style of football we'll win Ha, problem is you did that before, and guess what? You're not on the short end of the stick. Got to be concerning for the Kansas City Chiefs. So did did you uh, – I, 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 lots been made about the bulletin board stuff um, with, with comments. You know, the Bengals have kind of taken a lot of these comments, these perceived slights, whether it's from the media, whether it's from other teams, players – you know, and they've really kind of rallied around them and played inspired football in big, big games. And so now it's been pretty quiet this week. And all of a sudden, literally today, again, perfect timing for you to come on the show. There's a lot of chatter about, you know, Willie Gay on the Chiefs making a comment about there's nothing that impresses him about the Bengals offense. Um, you know, Legereus Sneed, the, the Chiefs cornerback, saying me and my guys are going to lock him down. Uh, and now, you know, you got the Bengals kind of quietly saying, oh, OK, we'll see. We'll see. I want your take as both your days as a player, because you played on an insanely talented team with a lot of great players and big personalities and, and all of that, as well as your take on this situation. Now, like is, is how real of a thing in the NFL and in an NFL locker room is the bulletin board stuff. Um, I mean, I I would, I would just love to get your take on. Well, let, let me say this to all the listeners or the viewers. There is no bulletin board, actually. Not, <laughs> not a literal one. Okay, okay. You'll be shocked on how many people will go think there's actually literally a bulletin board. Like, <laughs> literally pins it up with a – or draws it up with a marker or something. So, you know, that's a myth. Okay, however, these are – the this is the bulletin. The bulletin comes from now, of course, they have social media, things of that nature. It comes from the media – you know, a beat writer comes in and goes, hey, Tim, you know, Rod Woodson said, you know, he's going, here's what he's going to do. That's the bulletin. Okay, it's an announcement. And that's what the players from the Chiefs did. I, I think we would be more disappointed if guys at the professional level, whether it's the Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, whoever, didn't have the confidence and wasn't, you know, or was reluctant to ex- to show that confidence that, okay, here, you know, wh- what do we, you know, kind of a literal sense, what do we expect them to say? Guys, we expect them to say, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, they're going to come out and really probably kick our ass today because we're, you know, we're, we're just going to cross <laughs> our fingers and but they're so good and nobody stopped them. We haven't stopped them either. So they're not going to come out and say that. And let's just face it, the last three games, that's how it's been. So they're going to hype themselves up and they're going to say, okay, we're up for the challenge. I love it. I absolutely love it. They should be, the Kansas City Chiefs should be saying that. So as the Bengals, you know, should be feeling very confident about themselves. You know, Joe Burrow, you know, I Joe Burrow in any other market, if Joe Burrow was in New York, I think he'll be labeled cocky or something like that neighbor, neighborhood. But Joe Burrow's in Cincinnati. So therefore, it's kind of downplay. His quotes are kind of downplay, but he's very confident in his ability. And he should be confident in his in, in this ability. And he just goes out, 
you know, guys, I say this all the time. Listen, if you got money in the bank, meaning you got talent and you got to go and you can and your mouth writes that check and you got enough ass to back it up. Talk all you want. Some of the best players in the Hall <laughs> of Fame that's ever played every sport. Starting with Michael Jordan was a crap talker. OK, he backed it up. So guess what? If you can back it up, you can say it. If you can't back it up, well, guess what? Right after the game, there's going to be a bunch of microphones. There are going to be a bunch of <laughs> iPhones. They're going to be about two inches below your lips saying, what happened today? And you're going to have to man up and say, well, you know, today wasn't my day. The guy on the other side is a professional, and uh, he won today. And, you know, we'll, we'll, look for the, we'll look to the next battle. And fortunately, again, we're going to keep rubbing it in. Three in a row, baby. Three in a row. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with bragging on three in a row. We're going for four. So I definitely agree that obviously players need to be confident. They need to be playing full speed or otherwise bad things are going to happen. It's definitely great content for us. My my whole thing, though, like it seems like it's been a shift, for at least from the Chiefs side, from just kind of this playful disrespect to now borderline hatred. And, I, and I'm curious, like, how useful is that in terms of actually motivating? Because we've seen just in recent years, like, there is definitely a, a hatred towards the Steelers from the Bengals in the last 10 years. And that didn't really get them anywhere. Like they couldn't beat the Steelers until they just manned up and played better. And you can almost say that to even a slighter degree with the Browns because they couldn't get past them. So how much, how useful is whatever hatred is kind of boiling up against the Bengals, maybe on the other side too? Well, uh, I, I think it boils down to when you say hatred, it's it's all within the the, the playing field. It's, it's competitive spirit. And, there is so much positive that coaches love to see the confidence early in the week. Obviously, they can hopefully carry through the game from both sides. Um, the, the stakes are high. The Super Bowl's on the line, guys. So, you know, remember, you can't win the Super Bowl if you don't get there. And you are literally four quarters away from participating in the Super Bowl, potentially eight quarters away from being crowned the champion of the National Football League. So, yeah, I, I – I don't think it's unusual that players talk smack. And trust me, they're going to be talking. If you think they're talking smack today when they're not in uniform, if you could read lips through face masks, they're going to be saying a lot of crap, but it's going to be uncensored. So <laughs> they're going to say what's really on their mind. And guess what? It's going to go back and forth. They're going to jab at each other, and rightfully so. And I don't really see a rival between Kansas City and the and the um, and the Bengals. I just see they're, they're both teams have respect for one another. I know in talking to several people within the uh, Kansas City organization, they just feel the Bengals have gotten lucky. And and I mean, even me as a Bengal fan, I I do think a lot of times the uh, the in the three wins, the ball has bounced the Bengals' way. So I hope it bounces their way again Sunday. Keep bouncing ball. Yeah, I mean, luck. Uh, good luck favors the the prepared, or I, I don't know exactly what the what the saying is there, but yeah, I mean, good luck. Good luck favors the lucky. There you go. Okay, all right. I like that one better. We're talking with Tim McGee, one of the great number eighty fives of Cincinnati Bengals history in their uh, great wide receiver history. You can hear him on uh, the radio talking about the Bengals. And, of course, we are so excited to have him back on our show talking about this AFC championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. We asked this one here earlier. Uh, John and I kind of were kicking this this one around. 
which team right now has more pressure on them in this game? I think that we would, you know, easily the surface is kind of, oh, the Chiefs. Well, they got to they got to get over the hump of the 0-3. They're at home, all that sort of thing. But the Bengals are the reigning AFC champs. Um, you know, not a lot of people are, you know, picking them to go th- that far. And, you know, you've got this back and forth verbal warfare, that sort of thing, I guess. Uh, I mean, is it the Chiefs that have more pressure on them this week to, to win and perform in this game? I, I think, I, actually, I think it's the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals are still trying to garner the respect of, uh, of the nation. And, and I think they have to. If, if they don't win, do they stand a chance every game, which could be including the Super Bowl, where the majority of America that follows football say, see, I told you so, as soon as they lose. Yeah. See, I told you they should have been there. And they are being nitpicked from the – as you see what the uh, the general manager from the uh, Buffalo Bills said, you know. Yeah. But it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's like – so you have to go and take that. Yeah, you don't like it. I don't like it. But it's true. In order to get good real fast, you got to be real bad. Mm-hmm. And But that's the way the National Football League is set up. Now, within that – you have to give credit where credit is due to select the right person. Yeah. I won't talk about Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow was handed to him when the Dolphins lost to the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals lost to the uh, Dolphins and they got the first pick. But with Jamar Chase, it still took the, you know, the Duke Tobin and the, the, uh, the, the, the staff to make the right pick. So, yes, they made the right pick. So, you know, when you're getting criticized for the talent that's on your football team, people are talking about you. And the more they talk about you, the better you must be. And you're getting better and better and better. So you can say, okay, that's true. But at the same time, use that to continue to get better and better and better. And I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with positive criticism. And that is, you know, it's it's a true statement. But nevertheless, they are where they are. So beat them or shut up and go home. Well, oh, by the way, they did shut up and go home. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of pressure, Bengals would like to generate some against the Chiefs quarterback. Uh, there's been video about how Patrick Mahomes is moving on that high ankle sprain. Obviously, no two injuries are the same, but I, I guess I would like your perspective on maybe what he's going through and also say that he is going to be fine enough to play, going to be fine enough to be close to himself. Is there any urge to kind of change what the Bengals have been doing, or is there more pressure, I guess, to get some hits on him kind of early? Stop the noise. Every single player out there has an, a, a, an injury to a certain degree. If anyone thinks that Patrick Mahone's ankle will prevent him from playing at 100%, 100%, cause I've never seen anyone go out on the football field less than a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent going to participate. He is not going to say, oh, my ankle. No, that's not going to happen. Don't get caught up in the hype from a player standpoint, a fan standpoint, that you bring the bar down on Patrick Mahomes. He's arguably the most valuable player in the National Football League. He is phenomenal. He can lead his team to a victory, and he's going to be on the football field. Do not, I warn you, do not, Get yourself in a mental battle thinking that because he sustained an injury last week that for some strange reason he won't be healthy this week. 
Don't buy into it, people. Don't. Because he'll throw for 400 and some yards and we'll, and won't nobody be talking about his ankle. Go in there as if he's a 100%, 100% as in the same Patrick Mahomes that played three weeks ago, two weeks ago, prior to the ankle injury. Because there's only one person that knows their capabilities with that injury, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And the same can be said when, remember, Joe Burrow? Remember the knee? Remember he yep. missed, uh, He had some type of surgery, I think it's on his, on his stomach or something like that? Appendectomy, yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. And nobody, he, he threw for touchdown at the touchdown, and nobody said, hmm, I wonder what, ha- what happened to his tummy. <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't, don't get caught up in the hype, especially with great players. Don't do it. Well, that's we're just gonna give uh, spend a couple more minutes with you. We appreciate all the time, Mister McGee. But uh, I, I want to ask: Do you think that the Bengals go with a similar game plan against Patrick Mahomes this week, which is that edge contain? You know, kind of almost don't send a ton of rushers. Maybe the occasional blitz from like a Mike Hilton out of the slot, that sort of thing. Do you stick with what's worked essentially? Or is it kind of, hey, we've put all this out on tape. They've had three times now to digest all the things we've shown them. Maybe we'll add in a wrinkle or two. I mean, do you go, do you stick with what's been working or do you say, man, do we need to do some different things because we've done the same thing three times and they may be catching on to to our game plan here? We're in what, the 18th or 19th week of the uh, league, somewhere around there? Yeah. I don't think no one's had a – a game plan in the lab that they held on to and they will deliver it and bring it out for this game. You stay who you, you stay who you are defensively. Uh, they, the, I don't know. Many people don't recognize this, but the Bengals play a hybrid defense. And what mm-hmm. that means you sometimes you can't tell the difference if it's a three man line or four man line, because a lot of the guys are interchangeable and that creates havoc for the opponent. So from a strategy standpoint, I wouldn't think that they would do anything, anything that uh, we don't expect them to do. They're going to, the Bengals are going to come out. They're going to, they're going to have situa- play situational football. They're going to blitz when they see fit. They're going to play some man-to-man. They're going to mix it up with some zone. And to counter that, there is nothing, no defense that Patrick Mahomes hadn't seen with his eyes over and over and over again that he can't uh, – when I say execute from a, from a pre-snap standpoint, you're not going to fool him. It's just pretty much, you're not going to fool And when I say that, I don't mean one time. You may get him one time, but there may be 60 or 70 plays in a football game. So uh, that's not a higher percentage enough to uh, really make an impact on the game. So I, I understand the strategic battle that goes into the game and game planning. But at this stage of the game, and I can go back to my career and I can go back you know, whatever number of years, my, the 10 years I was in the league, you know, you don't, when we were running our offense, we did, you put in a new wrinkle, but a new wrinkle is, you know, well, typically we go out, but this time we're going to go in. Uh, our blitz reads are a little bit different. We're going to, we're going to adjust off of that. But for the most part, you stay with your offense, you stay with your defense. And, you know, the Bengals got, in my opinion, the most second to Joe Burrow, the, the most invaluable person uh, in the organization has been Lou Anaruma. And, uh, you know, that guy, it just never ceased to amaze me on the disrespect that the Bengals get considering 
that guy should be the number one candidate for a head coach. Number one. He is, if you're basing that on performance, he should be number one. Absolutely. You, you are correct. You are you are correct, but I, we don't want other teams to hear that, Tim. We oh no, <laughs> I'm all about the growth of the individual. Yeah, I know, I know. because that's his value. Now I have to work on his charisma a little bit. I mean, you know, I, as I always tell coaches, you know, you you are allowed to smile. You are allowed <laughs> to show people you have teeth. You are allowed to show that you know you can relate. But when you look at the success of the Bengals. He's the guy behind the curtain yeah. that just doesn't get the credit he deserves. And you talking about undervalued, just, just, I've never seen anything like it. If that guy was in Dallas, if he was somewhere, look, you look at Dan Quinn in Dallas. Come on, and again, and I'm not saying Dan's not a great coach. I think he is, but Lou is right there with him. And if you look at results, he's higher, but he's not getting the, the respect that he deserves. I mean, in fairness, you're talking about a defensive mastermind doesn't smile. Sounds all like Belichick. Not smiling works has worked out for him. You know? if, that's, if that's the bar you want to go with, you want to go with that bar. <laughs> what have you that, done for me lately? There, there's, it's when you have Bill Belichick's resume. I, I, I want to say you don't need to smile, and when you're trying to get your first head coaching job, it probably will help to show a little bit of charisma, just a little bit. <laughs> Well, Tim, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you out of here. We got one fan question we're gonna get to, but we're gonna save that one for the end. Um, uh, what do you what do you see? How do you see this one going for the for the Bengals this week? What do you predict? Are you gonna be Are you gonna be there? No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm it's okay. Too cold. It's absolutely too cold. Um, okay. Uh, I I have served my time outside with uh, tight pants on and okay in in a, in a uh, jersey. Yeah. Um, this one's going to be tough. I, I have predicted the Bengals to win all the other ones. This one, God, I, I, I just think it's a pick em. I, I really, truly yeah. believe it's a pick em. Uh, I, I'm not going to go against the Bengals, and I'm not going to go with Kansas City. I, I'm just going to simply say, if you do not like intense football, you may not want to watch this game. <laughs> it's, it's not, you're going to blame, if you're a fan, you're going to blame the officials a lot. Because your team is not going to be as successful yep. consistently. And, you know, we never can look in the mirror and be accountable for our own selves and say, oh, our guy didn't block. No, they're going to say, oh, the referee didn't help him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just think this is going to be, honestly, guys, I think this is going to be a nip and tuck um, come down possibly to a field goal, um, maybe even overtime. I just think – I. I I think we've gotten a dominating performance out of the way with Buffalo. So I don't think we can creep up on Kansas city in that regard. Um, You know, you just, this is one of those games, man, that just scares the hell out of me because an injury either way could really change the, the course of the, uh, of of the outcome of the game. It could just change so much. Um, So again, it's man, this was a pick them for me. I'm not going to, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to go against them. But uh, I'm not going to go with the uh, Chiefs either. I'm just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy it, and, and hope they come on, come out on top. Yeah, it, it should be a very or could could be a very similar result to the AFC Championship game last year in terms of overtime, all that kind of stuff. Here's a question from Dan the Man. Um, just he wanted to know, you know, as I think we've asked you this before, probably last year when you were on the show, given that the Bengals were in the postseason. But I just 
with your association with the team, long time standing with the team, player analyst, and and you know you you've mentioned that you've have you still have a good relationship with the Brown family and whatnot. But what would it mean for you if the Bengals finally get that Lombardi Trophy, finally get those Super Bowl rings, and maybe even against a team like the 49ers, which we know uh, has have long been a thorn in the Bengals' side in that game? Well, for me, selfishly, if I, I'm going with Mike Brown. Um, it would just mean everything from a sports standpoint for me personally to see Mike um, win a Super Bowl, to to have that Lombardi. And I understand what it would do for the city and what it would do for the coaches and the fans and the Blackburns and so on and so forth. I'm not discounting that what what one lick. But selfishly for me, if if I had the genie granted me the wish, it's just strictly for Mike. I just think he's is well deserving. He's been around, you know, obviously since the uh, team's inception. Uh, I know him personally. I don't. I don't. I haven't talked to him in a while. I don't want to misrepresent that. But um, you know, my heart, my heart is with him on a personal yeah. level. So, uh, me, it, it, they win, lose, or draw, I'm probably going to continue to, you know, to live and do, <laughs> do the things I normally do. Right. So, I'm not emotionally attached to any you know, sports team for reasons I have that crazy addictive personality where <laughs> if the team loses that I want to win, I'll be like in a bad mood, bad mood all day. Lips oh, yeah. Out, oh, yeah. Out, chin, chin, Velcro to my chest and probably wouldn't be very nice around the house. My wife would probably put me out. Um, my dog wouldn't look at me, you know, all those kind of things. <laughs> Well, I, I seem to remember a little bit of a similar uh, answer from you in terms of your your affinity for Mike Brown, and obviously for for good reason. It's got to uh, it's got to feel good and seeing a lot of the stuff that they're doing now in terms of Ring of Honor and you know embracing a lot of former players and embracing the fan base and kind of you know the indoor practice facility, all kinds of things that people have been talking about for a number of years, and here they are doing all that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, this great success is following it. You know, it's it's really interesting from my vantage point because people think I'm weird, which is true. No, I have not seen like the practice field, the bubble. I haven't seen uh, personally. I haven't witnessed any, although I live in Cincinnati. But I, you know, that's just not my, you know, my cup of tea. I, I can, I can. My heart bleeds the orange and black from a distance, and um, you know, I, I, I would love for them to continue to do not just good, but just phenomenal, great, uh, but you know, I, I um, on on a personal level, like I said, for me, it's all about Mike, 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 Mike. You know, and the and the fans, and as long as you know, the, I, God, it would mean so much to the fans because we've we're so disrespected. I mean, it just I mean, we're just so disrespected. Like I said, you know, if you travel, you know how disrespected we are. I mean, people just. Treat us like the redhead stepchild. I better. Can I actually say that nowadays? You know, I don't even know if you. The stepchild. Oh, can you give me a stepchild anymore? I, I can't probably even say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> they treat us bad. How about that? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I, you know, I always, we always appreciate your time, your input, your uh, enthusiasm, and you know, unfiltered takes about the Bengals. I'm sorry we've pestered you to come on, the, you know, for the better part of two weeks here, but 
I can't appreciate, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We can't appreciate it enough. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. I won't bug you in the near, near future, unless you are dying to come on. Cause we would love to have you back always open invitation, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. Mr. McGee. Appreciate You're it. You're always welcome. I'm, I'm, I just, just, all you got to do is just, just contact me. Just this week was bad because I was traveling. I got a sick aunt. I was going back and forth to Tennessee oh. and all that. So it was, it was a little crazy, but any other time I'm, I'm very prompt on returning calls, texts, et cetera, et cetera. And setting things up, so it kind of let me apologize because I missed you last week. Oh, but, but again, I had to uh, I had to attend to a family uh, sickness. Well, hopefully, hopefully all is well with the family. Give you know we give our best to you and thank you for your time. Seriously, we always appreciate it, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. And hopefully, we're talking about a Bengals Super Bowl win when we do. So, thanks a bunch. Take care and uh, John, smile, man, smile. John. <laughs> I'm, I'm, go- I'm going with the lunar <laughs> move around here. About to leave the- <laughs> No, but don't be depressed, man. I'm John, you John, Anna, John Anarumo over there. I know. Come on. Come on, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you, Tim. Oh, I love it. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. He is awesome. And uh, wow, I probably took up too much of his time, but couldn't couldn't shut up talking to him. That was that was fun, man. And uh, I'm I'm the guy when it, when a guy like that comes on because I remember like his like as a kid having his trading cards and watching him and all this kind of stuff when I was a little kid. And I'm like, every time he comes on, I'm like, tell me about your locker room. Tell me about your team. And I know we want to talk about the Chiefs game. I know we want to talk about that. And we do. But I liked hearing about his days too. No bulletin board and no actual injuries. Yeah, he, he took that. I, he, he took the, the. I wasn't saying like literal bulletin board. I'm not saying like cork board with thumbtacks and all kinds of stuff. Um, I thought we all kind of knew that was a metaphorical thing, right? Um, but anyway, that was that was funny. Yeah, John Lou Sheeran. Here you go, right here. There you go. You're Lou. Compliment uh, of the highest regard. Fine it. Italian man. I'm sure he knows his way around some lasagna. I love it. I love it. Well, we got uh, Tim's sort of prediction. He didn't really want to predict the game either way, but he says to pick him, but he didn't pick anyone. He didn't pick anyone. I think. I think we know where his, you know, allegiances lie. Uh, even though he didn't come right out and say that, but man, uh, I, I, I'm hard pressed to disagree with him in terms of outcome and where this game should go or, or could go and you look at the game last year you look at the game in December of this past I mean all these games have been close you know one team gets up to a lead the other team kind of comes back it's a it's a volleyball type of situation so it's I don't know how you couldn't expect something different this time yeah like it's been what a combined nine points of point differential all favoring the Bengals at this point been crazy games have gone back and forth I, honestly Anthony like I feel like I resonate a lot with what Tim said about he was kind of alluding to the ugliness of this game where you're not going to see maybe total superstar performances because both teams are going to be just playing their hearts out and you're going to see some mistakes. You're going to see some obviously splash plays, but it's going to be a grinder of a game. And 
I really think the run game for both teams is going to be kind of integral here just because yes. of how successful the Bengals found themselves to be running the ball against the Bills, against the Chiefs defensive line that I think has higher level of talent with Chris Jones and Frank Clark and, and, and guys like that. But finding that cohesion, finding that chemistry, finding those concepts to work with Joe Mixon, who, by the way, had, I think, 90 uh, rushing yards on 20 attempts or so in the last AFC Championship game. And then you have the Chiefs, who probably don't want to have Patrick Mahomes dropping back to pass 50 times. Isaiah P- Pacheco has been really efficient running the ball. Against the Bengals earlier in the season, like the beginning of that game, they were running all over the Bengals when they had a full staple of defensive tackles and Josh Tupo and DJ Reader and BJ Hill. BJ Hill was like on an island making plays by his own while his teammates were kind of getting blown off the ball. The, obviously, you have Andy Reid, who's a very pass-happy offense coordinator, rightfully so. He's got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But I wouldn't be surprised if both teams play really balanced and maybe who runs the ball better might end up on top of this one. It's funny you say that because I've been talking and tweeting and putting all kinds of weird stuff out there at all kinds of different hours. And one of the things that I, you know, some things to note about this one, I guess. Samaj P. Ryan last game, in case people forget, had over 100 yards on the ground, was absolutely trucking Mr. Reed, who had been chirping <laughs> that week as well. I think he took two or three to the chin, literally, on that one. Um, and then. You had Joe Mixon, and the reason why P. Ryan didn't was got that many carries and that many yards is because Joe Mixon was still kind of having some lingering effects from that concussion he he suffered. Uh, I think it was against the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, um, at that point. So, uh, shocker there, by the way. Um, so you have that, and then you look at last week, John, um, and we talked about this on our show about how the Bengals just really took it to the bills on the ground, whether it was, you know, a surprising offensive line play and whether it was kind of these wham plays with the tight ends where they go on the backside and kind of take out others on the edge or take out guys who are trying to play contain, contain on the edge, that sort of thing. So you have, you have those elements and you have the Bengals offensive line kind of hold their ground in the snow, which is, you know, kind of interesting. So I I'm in agreement with you. I know it's Mahomes versus Burrow and they got to pass the ball and you got chase and you got Juju and you got all of these players on both sides of the ball uh, or both teams, rather both offenses. And I think it comes down to who's going to run the ball better. And right now, I think that the, what the chiefs did against the Bengals in December, I think they did a good job in turn. Like, you know, they, they kind of reasserted themselves on the ground, but the Bengals just did more and they just kind of kept coming at them. And right now the Bengals run game after not playing well for a while is starting to kind of do some nice things. So, you know, I think that's going to be key. I think it it's a coin flip game. I think it's probably, you know, a field goal difference, if not even less. And so I will, I will take the Bengals just because they just have not given me a reason to doubt them to this point. I will take the Bengals and I will say, Whew. 30 to 27. Wow. Okay. Well, well on the over, I think the over under is like 48 right now. And all three of these games have been over 50 points, but I'm going to disagree a little bit with Tim McGee. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a little bit limited. Like he might be coming into the game feeling fine, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays this game and it's definitely hurting in the morning. I, I don't think you're going to see, a bad Patrick Mahomes game. In fact, no. I think after everything that's happened this week, people talking about his injury, he's going to be incredibly motivated to have a decent performance against this defense. I think we'll have a pretty decent Patrick Mahomes game, but for how long and for what points in the game, 
is he going to be effective at? Like that still remains to be seen. It's still something that you have to give credence and the benefit of the doubt to Lou Anarumo just because he's done this so many times against not only Mahomes, but just the very best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just become a pattern at this point. You have to expect it. I'm not expecting necessarily a, a crucial turnover by Mahomes because he just doesn't do that. The the production, by the way, between Burrow and Mahomes, just in terms of making big-time throws and avoiding bad throws, is starkingly similar throughout this entire season. Yeah. It's been one of the parallels between both these quarterbacks who play in similar ways but also very different ways. I think I bring up the running game just because like, I don't really expect the Bengals to have that much issue moving the ball against this Chiefs defense, whether it be against the pass or against the run. And I'm just curious to see what this Chiefs offense looks like in terms of keeping the pressure off of Mahomes and that ankle, trying to maximize what he can do and still keep some elements of what makes him special without also protecting him against a defense that very much knows what he likes to do. And how effective are they going to be in rolling him out? Can they even roll him out very often? Are they going to have him just hand the ball off in pistols so he doesn't have to take those many steps on these stretch handoffs? There's a lot of at play here. But at the end of the day, it's two very even teams who know each other very well, and it's going to be another close game. This is not going to be a two-score game by any measure. And I think just you, when you look at the matchups, when you look at both teams, when you look at who's playing the best right now, I just I I can't I can't go against the Bengals in this one. I I, I don't know how the game Uh-oh. flow is going to turn out. Uh-oh. I, I I don't. But you know I, I I I think the Bengals have the upper hand here, which is why I'm going Chiefs twenty four, Bengals twenty three. There you go. There you go. All right. All is all is right in the world with that score prediction, John Sheeran, and that very well could be a one point difference in this game. Bengals for life says the Chiefs secondary and safeties are not as good as the Bills backfield, and he I assume. Burrow slaughtered them in the snow like it was nothing. You are probably correct in that assertion. However, the Chiefs front currently comprised as it is, as opposed to the Bills front without Von Miller last week is, I mean, the the Chiefs are tops in the league in terms of quarterback hits and pressures this entire year. Uh, I think they're uh, the top or top three in both of those categories that, that I saw recently there. So that's going to be something to monitor. So while the back end of the defense may not be as strong for Kansas city, their front, their front is formidable. Yeah. Like, and also you have a red zone defense in Kansas city, who I believe is ranked 31st in the league. And you have a Bengals red zone offense who aside from, you know, a a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown from Jamar chase has been borderline near perfect for this back half of the season. It's been, it's been awesome seeing both teams just basically rattle off win after win. The only Chiefs loss since week six has been against the Bengals. The Bengals have only had one loss against week eight, and you have two teams just just playing their best right now. Obviously, with more questions on one side, and maybe more pressure on one side, but the, the fact that we have this type of, I don't want to say Golden State-Cleveland type of rivalry just always at the end of the season now, but it kind of is starting to develop that, and that's going to be my mic drop kind of. like Just, just seeing the Bengals in this position where it's no longer like a surprise to everyone. It's no longer being one year ahead. Now it's just the standard. Like, can they get back to the AFC Championship every single year? I don't know. It's still really hard to do. But you're entering now every single year with this core, with this quarterback, with this head coach of being in this position. And again, as someone who's followed this team, who covers this team, who's been with this team for years and years, to say that and to mean it and to not just be, you know, hyped up on optimism that isn't warranted, it's pretty special and it's pretty crazy. There's a different feeling this year watching this team than there was last year. Last year was, you know, pure elation. And granted, we're elated this year, but 
pure elation, surprise. Oh my God, I can't believe they did it. Oh, they keep, you know, there's all this, oh my, you know, this kind of Cinderella fairy tale thing. And then a lot of people thought they wouldn't sustain it because why John? Because they're the Bengals, right? That's why they wouldn't sustain it. That was the reasoning. And here we are now beating the world that everybody's preseason darling for the Super Bowl, the, the Buffalo Bills on their home turf, the bully Baltimore Ravens, they, they beat them. And now here, here they are. They got to take care of the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are a team that they've handled the last three times. That's the, that's the biggest thing that worries me about this game. I think the Bengals will be prepared. I think they've got the talent. Obviously, they've got the history against the Chiefs. Um, but beating a team four times in a row, especially the caliber of Kansas City, and regardless of venue, that is very difficult to do. But I think the Bengals are up, up to the task. But you, you are correct that... It's just very different now where it's like, all right, expect it. Expect the big wins. Expect, And even when things aren't going well, I go back to an interview that we did with Solomon Wilcox right before the season started. And he said, you know, that what's going to define this team is a lot of, you know, when, when you have a bad game, a bad series, a couple of bad games, how are you going to bounce back? And the Bengals bounced back tremendously from that 0-2 start, bounced back tremendously from a slew of injuries that they did not necessarily accrue last year and they're a better team for it this year and they're a better team this year than they were last year and hopefully they prove it on sunday that is for sure again this has been the orange and black insider Bengals podcast we had tim mcgee former Bengals wide receiver super bowl wide receiver and radio voice of the team we love having him on he's john sharon i'm anthony kazenza get the cincy jungle podcast channel subscribe to it through your favorite audio streamer. We got all kinds of different stuff on there for you. Hopefully you enjoy it. And of course you got to like the Cincy jungle Facebook page. You have to subscribe. We well, don't have to, but we'd like you to subscribe to our YouTube channel beneath John there. And then of course, keep it to cincyjungle.com for your news opinions, analysis, everything else, John. Uh, we'll talk soon, bud. And hopefully we're talking about a second straight Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, actually, wait a minute. You have to you have to subscribe or else the Bengals don't go to the Super Bowl. Like this, that's how there you works. go. That's there how it go. works, I man. It. I love it. I love it. There you go. What a way to end it. All right. See ya. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.